All right, Romans chapter 10. And then, um, well, let's just go to Romans chapter 10 for right now. <clears throat> Romans chapter 10. So, like she was saying, be ready, believe, uh, actively sitting there listening, believing that the right things are going to come out for not just for us, but for those listening in the future. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by hearing, but what did you hear when you hear the word of God? What are you hearing when you hear the word of God? You are hearing the word of God, but you are literally hearing the thoughts of God. Think about that. We have the ability and the capacity to hear and receive God's thoughts and see and hear his thoughts. I mean, that's amazing to think about that when we hear the word of God, because words conveyed are, are th- uh, words are thoughts conveyed, right? When you hear someone speaking, they are the thoughts of that individual. So when we hear the word of God, we literally have the ability and the capacity to receive his very thoughts. <laughs> the thoughts that God is thinking, what he is seeing inside, we are literally hearing those thoughts when those words are conveyed. And God's thoughts are not just insignificant, uh, minor thoughts. His thoughts are not just, you know, if you were to ask God, Lord, what are you thinking right now? He's not going to say, uh, nothing too important. You know, I'm just thinking about some, some stupid, silly stuff. No, God's thoughts are not insignificant. We're talking about the, the thoughts that when he spoke, they caused the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth to be created and man to be created. These are the type of thoughts that we are referring to. And God, God's thoughts are not small. And we need ourselves to not have small thoughts. We need to renew our minds so that we think like God. We think big thoughts. We think large thoughts. We think far-reaching thoughts. We think, man, uh, thoughts so big, thoughts so impossible that it can only be done by God. It can only be done through faith in God. Those are the type of thoughts that we need to have. You know, the Bible talks about that thoughts, there's a principle that thoughts, uh, uh, our actions follow our thoughts. Actions follow our thoughts. The Bible talks about in Proverbs uh, that to keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. One translation says that your thoughts are what shape your life. I think it's the good news translation, something according to that, that it it talks about being careful how you think because your thoughts shape your life. You know, a lot of times when we hear that guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life, you know, be careful what you think because your thoughts drive your life. They shape your life. We tend to think like, okay, yeah, don't think any wrong, evil thoughts. Don't think any immoral thoughts. Don't think any thoughts of bitterness or unforgiveness. But what about thinking small thoughts? 
insignificant thoughts, thoughts of, you know, barely having enough, thinking thoughts of, man, maybe I'll just have a little success in my life, thoughts of maybe I'll just have and accomplish just a little bit. No, we have to be on guard for those type of thoughts as well that Maybe it'll just be small for the rest of my life. Maybe I'll just be a nobody for the rest of my life. No, we have to be on guard for those type of thoughts as well. God thinks big, and we have to adjust and renew our minds so that we are thinking like God thinks. Amen? See, God, he sees some dirt. He sees a pile of small dirt, and he says, from that dirt, I'm going to create a man in my image. See, God sees five loaves and two fishes, and he looks at a crowd of 5,000 and says, we can multiply that and feed all these people. See, God thinks impossible to the man, impossible to human thinking. God thinks big thoughts. God sees a, a, a ship that's small and says, you should have got a bigger ship because I'm about to sink that ship full of fish. You should have thought bigger. See, God doesn't think small. See, men come prepared with something small, God says, that's not big enough. It's going to sink now. See, we need to think miraculous thoughts. Miracles actually are a result of big faith-filled thoughts. Miracles, the extraordinary, the impossible, what men say can't be done are the result of big faith-filled thoughts. No, we don't want to think small-minded. We don't want to think small thoughts, and it's impossible. We want big thoughts. You know, the Bible says that in Romans 12 too, that we are not to be conformed to this world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, the world thinks impossible. They think with man and these, they think Things are impossible, right? With the world, certain things are impossible. They think, no, nah, that can't be done. You can't accomplish that. You can't do that with, with the amount of money you have. You can't do that with the, the amount of people you have. You can't do that with the education you have. You can't do that. See, but we're not to be conformed to the world. We're to think like people that are not conformed to the world and to think like God and say, wait a minute, if the world says it's impossible, that means it's possible with God. If the world is say, says it can't be done, that means it can be done with God. See, we need to start renewing our mind to start thinking like God thinks. We need to renew our mind to think victorious and abundance, right? We need to be thinking victory is the only outcome I'll accept, not defeat, not defeat. We need to see that and think success is the only option for me, not failure. We need to think abundance, more than enough, is the only thing I'll accept in my life, not poverty and lack. We need to see that healing and walking in divine health, that's all I will take and all I will stand for, not a life of sickness and disease. See, we need to think big, miraculous thoughts because Miracles follow those big thoughts. Miracles follow faith-filled, big thoughts, big vision, big dreams. Amen? Amen? And this is the fight 
of our vision. This is the fight for our vision. We are fighting to keep from uh, thinking small, puny, insignificant thoughts. Thoughts that say it can't be done. It's impossible. This is what we're fighting. Thoughts that say, no, you can't accomplish that. Well, not if God is on our side. Not if God is with us. Not if God see, not if you see what God sees, it can be done. Right? The Bible says, if you can believe, and Mark uh, 9.23, if you can believe, all things are possible for them that believe. All things. There's nothing that's impossible to them that believe, to them that see it. So it is, it is an amazing privilege when you think about that we have the ability to take God's thoughts and hear his words, hear his thoughts and make them our own. And so last time uh, we, we talked about whose faith is it? Whose faith is it? You guys remember that? In Habakkuk, we read, you don't have to turn there, but Habakkuk 2.4, it says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Whose faith is it? His faith, right? Or we, we can personalize it, our faith, your faith. The just shall live by his faith. And that may seem obvious, but I see people all the time. I see people all the time that are trying to live by other people's faith or other people's revelation or do things just because somebody tells I see people telling people, man, just claim it. Someone is, you know, man, I, I, one day I'm going to have one of these vehicles. I just saw the other day someone put something out there on social media. One day I'm going to have this. And somebody said, claim it. It's going to happen this year. Well, yes, we want to think big and think, man, God can give me a house this big. God can uh, uh, help me reach millions of people for the Lord. We, we want to have big thoughts. Don't get me wrong. But to put a deadline on and say, it's going to happen this year you better know that you have heard from the Lord. You better know that he told you that that is possible in this year. He, you, you better know that he said it's going to happen in this year, that he told you to believe for it to happen in this year, and that he gave you the faith to do that. Because if you're just doing what people tell you to do, it's not going to work out. And there's a lot of that going on. People say, claim it. Claim it right now. You can have it today. Okay. You can if you can see it, if you really do see it. We don't just want to pretend that we see something that we don't see. And that is why it is so important that we have daily fellowship and daily communion with the Holy Spirit. It's so important. Go to John, the uh, Gospel of John, chapter 16. John chapter 16 and uh, verse 7, we're going to start. I said it's important that we have daily fellowship with the Holy Spirit, okay? And in John 16 verse 7, it says, But truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. 
But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, now we need to think about this. Think about this. The disciples, Jesus is saying, it is good that I go away. That disciples are with Jesus on a daily basis. Put yourself in their shoes. The disciples are with Jesus on a daily basis. And there's reason to believe that they, and some of them more than others, had daily fellowship and daily communion with Jesus more than the average person. You see that there were times where Jesus was preaching to the multitude in a parable. He was teaching them in a parable. And when they left and got alone with just Jesus and his disciples, the disciples asked him about the parable, and he was able to explain to them and expound the parable to them more than the rest of the crowd. What is that? They had access to him. They were fellowship with him. With him, with him. You know, I don't know if it was after he got done ministering to the crowd, they went and ate around the fire and they start talking and Jesus is fellowshipping with them and he's explaining the parable more to them than the rest of the people. So what's happening? They are seeing more than everybody else. Why? Because they are in fellowship with him. They are close to Jesus. Do you guys see that? They are close to him. And now Jesus is saying, but it is better that I go away. So they're probably thinking better. It's good that you leave so the Holy Spirit can come. The, the advocate will come. They're probably not sure about that. See, what they didn't realize at that time is that Jesus was with them on a daily basis. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he is not going to just be with them. He was going to be in them. See, it's, it's one thing to be with someone, but then it's a different thing when that person is in you, okay? And so he is saying, it is better that I go away because the Holy Spirit will be in, not just with you, he'll be in you. When someone's in you, that means you have access to them 24 hours a day. The disciples didn't have access to Jesus 24 hours a day. They, they were with him a lot. But there was times where Jesus separated himself. There were times where Jesus was alone to pray. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to be in them. They have access 24 hours a day. I mean, you know, it's, it's a good idea to get to know someone that, is, that you live with, right? That lives with you, right? If you lived with somebody or some people and they never said hi to you. They never talked to you. They walked by and they put their head down. That would get pretty awkward, wouldn't it? <laughs> right? <laughs> Alejandro, our, our son, when he was in college, he and his roommate, he had some roommates that were very awkward. They didn't want to talk to him. They would, he would try to talk and they would just be like, not say much to them. I mean, that is very awkward to, that you live with someone and they don't talk to you and you don't talk to them. That's awkward. Well, how much more awkward would it be if we have the Holy Spirit who is not just with us, but he is inside of us, and we don't fellowship with him, and we don't talk with him, and we don't fellowship with him. No, he is with us, and he is in us, and we need to fellowship with him and conversate with him. Let's finish uh, reading this. Uh, go down to verse 12. It says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all 
the truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears. So he's not just speaking. The Holy Spirit is not speaking of himself. He doesn't talk about himself. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. And we're not getting into an in-depth study on the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't talk about himself. He talks from Jesus. He speaks what he hears from Jesus. And it says, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is making known to you something that he hears from Jesus. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So I'm saying that it's important that we fellowship with him so that we can see what he's trying to show us, that we can see where he's trying to lead us. Because you, our faith in vision is a result of our fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Our faith and our vision are a result of the Holy Spirit showing us something. Any revelation you received, any vision that you saw, any thing that was revealed to you in his word was revealed to you by how? By the Holy Spirit. So it is important. It's beneficial that we learn how to fellowship with the Holy Spirit and that we learn how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. It is vital to our faith walk that we, that we uh, learn this. So if he's showing us something and he's guiding us and he's speaking to us, the result is going to be that you see it for yourself. If the Holy Spirit shows you something, you're going to see it for yourself. And now it's not just a revelation for someone else. It's your own revelation. It's your own vision. You see it now. Go to, uh, let's go to the book of Acts. Because you can't just operate on someone else's faith. We said that before. You can't op operate on someone else's faith. You can't try to do what you heard and seen other people do without it being real to you. You have to know for yourself that God said this, that the Lord showed me this. Because if you try to live by other people's faith and other people's vision, you can have bad results. And you're going to see that Acts 19 Acts 19, and let's start in verse, we're going to start in verse 11. It says, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preached. Let me read that in a different translation in the NIV. It says, Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, 
and Paul I know about, but who are you? <laughs> then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. You know, I saw, uh, I saw some people talking about this particular passage, and one person asked, what did these guys do so wrong that they were so unsuccessful and that they got beat? <laughs> and that's just, I thought it was kind of funny because the way they're asking it is almost like they think that God did this. <laughs> like God caused this to happen. No, it says the evil spirit, not the Holy Spirit. The evil spirit jumped on them and beat them and, and they were bloody and, and naked. It wasn't the Holy Spirit, but it seems pretty obvious to me and probably to you that they were trying to operate on someone else's faith. They said, we adjure you by the Paul who, or by the Jesus whom Paul preaches, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. It wasn't even real to them. It wasn't, they didn't have their own faith. It wasn't personal to them. It wasn't something that they actually could see, that they actually had a revelation of. And actually, in Mark, when Jesus is giving them authority, he gave authority to them that believe, right? To believers. He said, these signs shall follow those that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils, okay? So it wasn't following people that just are copying someone that are trying to imitate what they heard someone do. It is going to follow someone who actually sees it for themselves, who actually believes, believes it for themselves. So this, is, this may answer the question a lot of times why you see things happen or why you've tried to do something supposedly by faith or why you've heard of somebody stepping out by faith and doing something by faith and it didn't work. Well, we don't really know what is going on in somebody, what they really see and what they don't see. We don't really know that. So if you saw somebody and they laid hands and said, in the name of Jesus, come out. And, they, and, and the demon jumped on them and beat them. You know, and just sent to say, man, I guess that Jesus stuff don't work in the name of Jesus. No, it happened in the New Testament. But what, what, what's going on here? They have no relationship with the Lord. They don't believe it for themselves. And it's very evident when you say, in the name of the Jesus who Paul preaches, come out. <laughs> There's no revelation of it themselves, right? You guys see that? And so a lot of times you just don't know what someone is believing. And someone can, and, and all of us have done this, you can initially see something and have a revelation of it, but when you begin to step out by faith and you begin to act upon it, so you can look at the circumstances in the natural. You can see what's not happening, and you can begin to doubt. You, you can begin to waver, and you can do that 30 seconds from when you saw something, and you were excited, and you had a revelation, and you were in the presence of God. Yes, yes, I'm in the glory. Oh, yes, I see it, Lord. I believe it. Woo! And then you walk out, out and leave the door. Oh, my gosh. How's that going to happen? How am I going to pay my bill? Oh, man, how's this going to work out? I'm not going to meet the deadline. You, you can begin to doubt in 30 seconds after you heard from the Lord. 
I mean, think about Peter. When he stepped out of the water, he heard, come, if that's you, Lord, bid me to come out. Come. Oh, man, I can walk on. He got out. And then he's already doing something impossible, miraculous. He should be excited about it, but he begins to look around. And what? Just like that, you can begin to sink. So we don't know all the time what is going on with people when things, when things didn't turn out the way they were believing or thought. They could have been starting off good. They could have sank. We've all been there. But thank God for the mercy of the Lord and Jesus. He, he raised them back up. See, but the thing is, we don't have to doubt because even Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, why did you doubt? See, that means he didn't have to doubt. That means he could have continued to walk on the water. But we have to continue to look at that vision and stay, stay with what we saw, with what we heard the Lord say and fight to stay in the faith. You guys see that? So we don't, another thing too is we don't want to, just because we don't have a faith yet or we don't see something yet or we don't have revelation yet, we don't just want to just throw up our hands and say, hey, I don't, I don't see that. Maybe you see it, but I don't see it. Well, why don't you see it? Something that you need to ask yourself, why don't I see that? Why don't I have a revelation of that? You know, think about this. Peter was the only one who asked to get out of the boat. Well, why didn't the other disciples at least ask, hey, can we come out there too and exercise their faith? So we don't just want to settle and say, hey, I don't see that and not try and not try to get in the word and not and not speak to the Holy Spirit and fellowship with him and and, and get in faith filled messages so that we start to see and we start to get faith and build our faith and develop faith in those areas. We don't just want to settle. Right. Is, Is what I'm saying. So we covered that. You don't want to try and live and operate by someone else's faith. But I also want you to see that we need to be on guard from people trying to make their vision your vision. Go to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel, it's in the Old Testament. (laughs) 1 Samuel 17. And we've all heard this story before. First Samuel 17. This is the account of David and Goliath. And uh, the Philistines and the, the Israelites, they are out to war. And the Philistines have a giant, you know, named Goliath, who's big and strong and, and nobody wants to fight Goliath. OK, every time Goliath would come out every morning and every night, he would taunt them. He would say, who's going to bring a man out to fight me? And and uh, and every time they would see him. And I guess this went on for 40 days. It says every morning and every night he came out and taunted them. And they got scared. You know, I mean, imagine doing that every day. All right, we're going out, men. Yeah, today's a day. And then you go out there and the the giant comes and, ah, 
they, they all get scared and, and run back and, and hide or whatever every day. I mean, they, I, I mean, to, to go out there every day, I mean, they must, uh, you know, that's just interesting. I mean, the Bible just says it like it is. I mean, they went out every day. I don't know what they did beforehand to try to, you know, motivate themselves, but it never worked. <laughs> it's, and they, they never got the encouragement from Coach Saul. You know, he was King Saul, obviously, but he, was, he wasn't doing his job very well. But then David came on the scene, you know, and, and, you know, he was sent there by his father, Jesse. And David has a vision of victory, right? David, David has a vision of, you know, success. He, he thinks big. He doesn't think impossible. When, when you know, when it came to Goliath, uh, supposedly these warriors, they all saw an unstoppable and unbeatable killer, and a, you know, an unbeatable warrior, but not David. David sees something completely different on the inside. And so go to 1 Samuel 7, 17, 20, and we'll pick up from right there where David comes on a scene. And it says, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting a war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they, are, how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. So, you know, maybe they were hoping that as they were going out every day, maybe Goliath won't come out today. We'll, we'll catch him without Goliath. Maybe he'll be taking a nap and then we'll get, I, I don't know. But Goliath came out, and they, oh, they saw him, and they all fled in fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See, you can hear faith and courage in David's response, right? You can hear uh, uh, faith and, and victory in the way David is talking. He's like, who's this dude? Who? This guy is nobody. He's a disgrace. He's an uncircumcised Philistine. Who is this cat? See, uncircumcised meant that he didn't have a covenant with God. Circumcision was the, uh, just to break it down real short, was an outward display of faith and, and covenant with God and, and, and belief in God. And so everybody else, else saw an impossible obstacle. They see an unstoppable obstacle, but David sees someone that has no covenant. He sees someone that's a disgrace, and he sees someone that is defying the God of Israel, and he sees someone that needs to be taken care of, that needs to be dealt with. <laughs> so they're all looking at the same thing on the outside. They're all looking at the same thing on the outside, but David see something completely different on the inside. See, they see something 
that is undefeated, that is unbeatable. But David does not see that on the inside. He sees something completely different. Verse 27, they were, so David's like, you know, he's a disgrace. Tell me about that reward you get for killing this dude. And they repeat to him what they have been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle. There's no battle going on. They're just standing there. There's no, no battle going on. Now what have I done, said David? Can I even speak? He then turned away to someone else, brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. <laughs> See, some people don't like it when you have big vision, when you have big faith. A lot of people, especially people that are close to you and that know you, they've been around you sometime, they don't like it when you have big vision and you start talking big. They get irritated and annoyed about it because they don't see it, but what's really happening is they're getting irritated and annoyed with themselves that they think small, <laughs> that they don't think big. They don't realize that. They're just, yeah, they're trying to find fault with you. They're trying to say that you're doing something wrong, but really inside they're thinking, man, I wish I had the courage like that. I've had this happen before. I'm telling somebody, no, I'm not afraid of that sickness. I'm not afraid of that, you know, and, and they're trying to find fault with me. Like, yeah, but I care for humanity and you don't. And they're trying to explain to me why, you know, I, you know, basically what they're doing is they're poo-pooing on my big vision and on my faith, right? They're trying to, they're trying to find fault with my faith. I care about people, but that's not going to stop me from having big vision and big faith and endeavoring to believe God big. But they always want to find fault. You, you're just cocky and you're conceited. And that's what they're saying. You're, you're full of pride. And, and, you know, people with small-minded dreams will do that. And it will often be the closest people to you. Now, it's funny. When you talk about that type of stuff, you know, you ever hear a preacher say, don't let nobody steal your dreams. Don't let nobody steal your joy. Don't let nobody steal your vision. People are like, yeah, that's right. Don't let people do that. Well, you're people too. Make sure you're not trying to rain on other people's vision. Make sure that you're not coming down on other people's faith. When people share with you something, make sure you're not the one that is like, uh, yeah, are you sure? There's something about you. I don't know. And you tell other people, I think they're just conceited. I think they're just full of themselves. You know, I, I have to discern something about that person. No, don't you be the one that is trying to take away their vision or try to diminish or belittle their vision. We like to shout about, yeah, nobody's going to take my dreams and my vision. But make sure you're not doing that either, right? Amen. So let's continue reading. Um, in verse 31, what David, said, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. 
But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistines. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. See, what would cause the king to tell a young boy, go and fight that giant? He must have heard some faith. And you can hear it in the way David is saying this. David is speaking with victory, vision. He sees it. He literally sees, I will take this giant out, just like I took care of that bear, just like I took care of that lion. I'm going to take this dude out too. And, and, and he's speaking with such faith that Saul's like, hey, go, go after him. <laughs> but then in verse 38, Saul dressed David in his own tunic. And he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. And, he, and David says this, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. And in the King James, it says, I have not proved it. So he took them off. He took them off. What is David saying? He's saying, I cannot see myself winning this battle with your armor. I cannot see myself defeating this giant with your weaponry, with your armor. Yeah, this armor may be what caused you to win the battle, previous battles or a battle, but I cannot see myself fighting with this armor. Another way of saying that, I cannot see myself fighting this faith fight with your vision. That might have been good for you, and that doesn't mean that your armor and what you did in the past wasn't good, and that it didn't work for you, and that the Lord didn't tell you that. I'm sure he did, but that's not what he did for me. That's not what I see. See, Saul was trying to make his vision, what he used in battle before, and he was trying to make it David's vision. He was trying to get David to see, this is what you need to win the battle, because this is what we've used in the past, or this is what I've used. But David said, I can't wear it. I can't see myself going. Now, now think about this. David, this is the king. He could have said, well, if he says I need to do this, I need to do this. If he says I need to wear this, this is how I'm going to win against him, then I guess I need to do it. See, when you don't see something and you cannot uh, visualize yourself and you don't see that and the Lord hasn't showed you that you can do that, don't just accept it because someone else, even if someone you respect is telling you this is how it has to be done. You have to do it just like this. You know, I've had well-meaning people tell me some things that the Lord did for them in their life, in their ministry, and they don't see it, and they didn't see it that way. They had good intentions, but what they're really saying to me is that 
you need to do it this way. And if you do it this way, you'll have the outcome that I had. But they're telling me to use their vision and how they fought. But the Lord didn't tell me that. He didn't tell me to do it that way. He didn't say to step out that way. He told me to do this. And if I try to go into a faith battle, and what I mean by that, a faith battle, because when you step out to do something for the Lord, when you step out and obey God, when you are uh, in the middle of a faith fight, you need to know that you saw what the Lord showed you, what the Holy Spirit showed you. I cannot try to fight with somebody else's revelation. I cannot try to fight with somebody else's testimony. You know, I hear of people that, um, you know, they step out by faith and they left their house and they moved across the country or they, you know, did something that took some great faith, but they heard from the Lord. And so when there is a situation that arises, arises in their life, they're able to believe God and, and go to God and fight the faith fight and say, Lord, you told me to do this. So because you told me to do this, I know you told me to do this. I'm standing on your word and this is what your word says. But if you try to do something just because they did that, say, well, I'm a, I have to move across country too. They did it and miracles happen for them. But did the Lord show you that? If he didn't show you that, then you to try to do it. When situations come up, you're not going to be able to fight because you did not see it for yourself. That's not your weaponry. That's not your armor. See, your faith can be a weapon against the enemy, against the giant in your life. But you cannot try to go out with somebody else's vision for your life. Now, of course, there are certain things that we all need to do. If some said, you got to pray, you got to seek the Lord, you got to get quiet. Those are basic things. But when it comes to the specific things that are not in the word of God, you need to know that you can, that you saw it for yourself, that you heard the Holy Spirit, that you were, re it was revealed to you by revelation, by the Holy Spirit. And that comes with having personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, one thing that this is not the subject, but when you are daily conversating and having fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you are less likely to fall away from the faith, from your walk with God. Any relationship, if there is no fellowship, eventually that relationship is going to suffer, right? you are going to grow further and further and further apart from them if you don't have fellowship with them. If it's kind of like people say that phrase, out of sight, out of mind, you, you don't haven't seen someone in a while, you can forget about them, right? Well, if you don't fellowship with someone, your relationship is going to suffer. And you don't fellowship with the Holy Spirit and talk with him, you can backslide. So people, a lot of people that have backslidden. There are people that have stopped fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. And how do you fellowship with the Holy Spirit? You, you, how do you fellowship with anybody? You talk to them, you share with them things. Then the more you do that, the more that you'll see and the more that you'll hear, he'll reveal things to you. 
And you'll be, oh, man, that's good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You talk to them, and, and it's through the Word of God, too. He's going to speak to you something that's in this Word. But when it comes to personal things, things about your daily life, He's just going to, there will be a thought that comes. There will be something that He'll show you. You'll be praying, Holy Lord, show me. What do I do here? And then a thought may come. Scripture may come. And yes, test it out. If it was God then, it'll be God tomorrow. You keep testing it out. You keep seeing, okay, is that the Holy Spirit? Is that, is that really what the Lord is trying to show me? But you fellowship with him just like you fellowship with anybody else. You wake up in the morning, hey, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I acknowledge you. Good morning. What do you want to talk to me about? What do you want to show me today? And you minister to the Lord and you let and you fellowship with him because your faith is connected with your fellowship and the Holy Spirit showing you and revealing something to you. So back to this, I don't believe Saul was trying to be malicious at all. I don't believe that he, he was genuine, genuinely trying to help David. He was trying to help him. And, and he's the king, you know. But you cannot step out on someone else's vision. And in verse 40, let's go here. Verse 40, it says here, Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. So now this seems natural, or I'm sorry, in the natural, it seems ridiculous that you would go out to face a giant with a slingshot, right? It just seems, I mean, what movie battle scene you ever seen? I mean, I've never seen a superhero pull out a slingshot like that in a movie. You're like, what's that going to do, right? I mean, you never see in an in a army scene, in a battle scene, them pull out a, a, a little slingshot with some stones in it, right? And the natural, that seems ridiculous, uh, especially against someone that's heavily armored and a, a person of Goliath's size. But that is what David could see. That is what David had a vision of. He saw that he could defeat Goliath that way. And that's his faith. And so if he can see it, then it will happen. And, and just to summarize this, you know, David says, uh, David goes out to meet Saul, I'm sorry, to meet Goliath. Let's start in verse 41. Let's just finish reading. And meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome and despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'm going to give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, now think about this. What if David had gone out there with his own, with Saul's armor? What if he had just gone out there? Because, man, I don't want him to think that, you know, I'm weak and I'm, you know, small and I can't use his armor and, and I'm not like the other soldiers and got in pride and pretended to be, in, to be big and bad. It wouldn't have worked. When, they, when Goliath would have came at him, he would have not felt confident because he would have been like, man, I, I don't feel comfortable in this, right? I don't feel comfortable in his vision, in his armor. 
And David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This day, I will give your carcass of the, to the Philistine army, uh, of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. See, David could be this fearless and he could be this bold because he had faith and he was operating in his vision. He was operating in what he could see. And then we know the rest of the story that David takes the sling and hits, you know, winds it up, hits Goliath in the forehead, knocks him down and cuts off his head. And the point I'm making is this, is that the only way that we can win a battle, that you can win a battle is to have your own vision, your own faith, your faith, your vision is going to be the weapon in the time of battle. And you need to know for yourself that I'm not trying to do what I saw somebody else do. I'm, and I'm not going to allow them to try to tell me that I need to do it the way they did it exactly and step out the way they did it. I need to make sure that that's what I see inside that I'm supposed to do. Now, of course, there is principles involved with that. There are certain things you do need to listen to people who have faith experiences and who have done things by faith. There's going to be certain things that they have done. They heard from the Lord is the main thing. They heard from the Lord. And when they heard from the Lord, they waited till he said to go and then they did it. Okay. But the main thing we need to see today is that it is your vision not someone else's vision amen we hope this message has encouraged you today for more information on our ministry or to donate visit onewayministries.net